You are listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with DJ Evil Dave and Dr. Brandy Sexyboys. To the dark corner, kind of recording late in the month, aren't we? We are. I think what we had headaches the previous week. There were things. So, and also, I think you were kind of busy uh, podcasting wise. Yeah. So a lot of that either got canceled or moved. <laughs> yeah. But then I've also been busy editing a podcast. Yeah. So. So reasons. Reasons and stuff and life and whatnot. But here we are now. Hi. Hello. Hello. With an unusual one. Yes. Usually we have a main topic for you to discuss in the late half of the show. And this time we realized it's been so long since we've recorded. Plus we've watched a whole lot of things and caught up on a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. That we have a ton of reviews. When we started listing the stuff off that we could talk about, it was like, are we going to have time for a main topic? No, this is the main topic, baby. So it's going to be an all review... All review, review, if I can even say that. All review, review. All review, review. So, yeah. Oops, the, all reviews. Yeah. All mushrooms, no corn puffs. Or mushrooms. I do that again. I've been doing that so often that I think I might be getting dementia. You're not dementia. I you don't have dementia. I say mushroom instead of marshmallow. Well, remember how I called, today, how I called Joanne Diane? Yeah. And by that I mean Diane, the store, Joanne. Diane. There's a little story of Jack and Joanne. <laughs> Two American Diddy kids doing Jack, Joanne. the best that they can. Two American kids doing out the best they can. So we can sing of that. What I was doing, I guess, wasn't necessarily called singing. Well, we mean that. So, yeah, I'll review, review. So the late half of this podcast will be us just catching you up on things we've been watching. Some new, some old, some borrowed, some blue. No, none of them are borrowed. Yeah. They are presented to the public for consumption. Right. One thing's technically borrowed, but we can't talk about it. See the stone face? She's doing stone face. She's a stone faced killer. I am. A heart. Aww. She could be on a mountain and named Rushmore. She's that stone-faced. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Let's balloon that one. News. News. Oh, you want to get into news before we get into reviews? Bandcamp Friday is back. Bandcamp Friday is the first Friday of each month where... 
Bandcamp waives the fees that they um, charge artists for selling music and merchandise through the site. I believe it's also merchandise. And so I picked up a bunch of music, uh, some pre-orders, which was fun to do. But I picked up one particular artist who was offering their stuff for free anyway, so it didn't really matter. But I would like to talk a little bit about Elias and the Error. Very much a kitchen sink sort of band. Very electronic, but in kind of the style of mindless self-indulgent. Very clipped, very highly produced. You know, very start and stop and kind of tongue-in-cheek and in-your-face attitude. But then every once in a while it'd go into post-hardcore refrain kind of emo style or they'd have some jazz piano going on. (laughs) And just weird little journeys into other genres and so just about everything thrown in there. For the next music special that I'm doing on The Hermit, I just recently swapped out the final song. So you will be able to hear an Elias and the Error song in that music special. Okay, so it's Elias, not Elias? It is not Elias because he says the name... I believe you. ...in one of the songs. And also he samples kind of like Pigface did it a couple of times. I think on the... God, which album is it? But it doesn't matter which album it is. But there's an album in which uh, Martin had people calling in or he put tape loops of an answering machine into the music like one of them was a tarot reading that he had done about the future of the band that's weird (laughs) just him asking this tarot reader about about the band and what the future held but yeah that same sort of thing of people calling in about booking them for a gig or calling in and saying hey you haven't shown up for like two weeks now (laughs) are you ever gonna show up that sort of thing they have a really good song called Isolator that they must have done recently. That's something I just want to blast at anti-vaxxers. Because mm. it's all about how I don't want you anywhere near me. I want to go self-isolate. <laughs> Six feet is too close. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Try 20 feet. I really dug that song. It seems like quite a few bands during the pandemic have been having that be a source of inspiration. Which you would expect it. I mean, they're artists. You get your inspiration from somewhere. And so yeah. just living during this time to have it inspire you to write certain songs. The Isolator is certainly one of those. And it has even kind of a, a rap quality to it. That's another part of the kitchen sink vibe is there's singing, but there's also rapping. So that's kind of fun as well. And uh, for pre-orders, I picked up this uh, album by this band that I'm anticipating getting. Kind of a dark wave, but even a little bit more... Sinister than that, kind of leaning towards the industrial is a band actually called Dark. Dark. Has a very Germanic kind of sound to them. And then there's the actor's uh, sophomore album, just straight up post-punk. And that's a highly anticipated album. And they did very well in their pre-sales. Made the band camp charts, especially under post-punk. I think they were number one under post-punk. And they were, I think, 15th overall on pre-sales. So, you know, pre-orders. Uh, Attrition was having a good deal, and Attrition is an electronic band. We played some other music before, but they go way back to like the early days of Industrial, where they were really spearheading that sound of just electronic bass with like violin over it and deep guttural vocals. <laughs> just mm. it's their fortieth 
anniversary, so they are having 40% off all their albums on Bandcamp Friday. Their 40th? That would mean that 1981. Wow. 40 years as a band. <laughs> Did they start when they were 10? <laughs> oh, probably in their 20s or teens, somewhere around there, I would imagine. Wow. But yeah, they've been around for a good long while. Because I remember hearing their name around that, you know, around the 90s, but I never really picked up their stuff until now. It's kind of like coming to the damned late in life. It's like, how have I not been into this band all along? Mm. Patrician kind of has that too. They just really speak to me. Right. Picked up a kind of straight up punk band called The Chats from Australia. (laughs) Really enjoyed that. They kind of have a tongue-in-cheek kind of style to them. But yeah, I picked up a lot of post-punk this time around. Cool that Bandcamp's Friday's back and yeah, save save a little money and uh, get the artists more more of that money sort yes. of thing. Because often the bands will offer deals on that day too because they know. It's like, hey, if you're going to buy music, this is probably the day you're going to do it. So we'll offer deals to get even more people to purchase. Yes. How about yourself with news? I had epiphanies or an apostrophe, if you... Apostrophe? Epiphanies? I've had an apostrophe. <laughs> I think you mean epiphany. epiphany. <laughs> Name that movie. I forgot. Hook. Hook. Anyway. Oh, oh I didn't uh, like Hook. I didn't either, but no. that was hilarious. Uh, okay. <laughs> I realized a couple of things, one of which was that... I can now do a Loki cosplay in any way I want because variants are a thing. Yeah, in, in canon. Well, gender swapping was already okay, but now that with Loki, it's like a canon thing to be any Loki you want. Well, that's the thing. I don't have to be screen accurate to anything. No, no. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the whole point. So I've put together a Loki cosplay and... My sister, Brooke, helped me out. Well, actually, her husband, Phil, helped me out. My brother-in-law, Phil. Uh, Brooke and Phil, they have a lot of 3D printers because Phil is into building things, especially droids. Yes, droids. He built a BB-8, and he built what? He's got an R2. R5 unit. Yeah, he's got an R2 and R5-D4. I don't even know all the stuff that he has because usually we see all his new stuff when... We go to FanX. FanX is coming mm. up in about a month, yeah. and we're still not aware of what safety protocols they're following. Mm-hmm. And I am feeling nervous because we are in a state where more than half of the adult population is still unvaccinated mm. and refuses yep. to get vaccinated and refuse to wear masks. So I'm nervous. Yeah, especially at an event where so many children will be present mm-hmm. and how so many kids under the age of 12 cannot get the vaccine and with delta infecting children it could be very very bad they said at the beginning with delta that it is 60 percent more infectious meaning Mm. for every one person that has it they can infect five or more people wow and that its mortality rate is higher but we live in a state full of fucking idiots Mm -hmm. so i just don't know what to expect and i'm really unhappy that they haven't posted exactly what the protocols are going to be. Yeah, they just said they're going to follow them, but we don't know what they are, and there's no link to them. No, there's nothing. So it's like we have to find out on our own, and that is uncalled for. Yeah. So it's either they're going to have to tell us what those protocols are, or we're not going. And I'll request a refund, because I'm not going to a place that's unsafe. Anyway, 
So I've got this Loki cosplay worked out, except for the boots. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do for footwear yet. Brooke and Phil helped me out big time by 3D printing me a magnificent Loki headdress slash helmet thingy. Yeah, it's, I think, identical to the one that President Loki wears. Yes, it is. It's the very same one. Yep. The one that kind of fits on the forehead. Yep. Which, trying to figure out how to fit it is going to be a trick in itself. Oh, no, no. It's called a headband, darling. Ah, okay. It's called an elastic piece that goes around me head. Right, 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 right. And I hide it in me hair. Right, 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 right. So, I even have a cape. I am not sure. You have a cape? I do. I have a green cape. I like how you just kind of slid that in there. See, I do listen sometimes. (laughs) I heard you say you have a cape. Like Darth Vader and Doctor Doom, you have a cape. I I have a cape. Like Superman. I do. I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to attach that because I don't want to do the tie in front thing because I'll feel Mm. like I'm choking all day. So I've always liked with capes is the thing that kind of attach in front of the shoulders, but I'm not sure how you can do that. Snaps. Yep. Yeah, like if you could do kind of like a necklace kind of thing. But I'm afraid of the weight of the cape coming back and choking you. Yeah, that again that's the problem. Yeah. There's also a possibility of magnets. Ooh. Because I have some pretty strong magnets yeah. and I can get some larger ones and attach magnets to the inside of the cape and then just slide the bigger magnet under my top and mm-hmm. then it'll just it'll just cl- clip it'll on. just clip on yeah because i hate putting holes in things if i don't have to yeah so that's a thought i like that thought yeah it's a it's a good thought or maybe i do no i don't want to do it on the shoulders because i probably have to carry shit around all day but anyway yeah so there's that one and then the other one, which isn't complete yet because I'm still waiting for two very crucial items right. that will be coming together. But I'm doing like a steampunk squirrel girl. That's fun. <laughs> I've got a skirt and a corset. Get you a stuffed squirrel and steampunk the squirrel too. Get little uh, goggles on him. Oh my god, if I had, if I could do that, it would be amazing. I have to dig out my goggles. I don't know if I can do squirrel ear headband and goggles. I think that might be too much on my head. I was going to do the headband as such that I can put my hair over it. And so it just looks like I have squirrel ears on top of my head. And so I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the tail. Etsy is the most amazing place when it comes to stuff for cosplay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm waiting for my tail and my my, uh, ears and then I'll be done. I have everything else that I need. Nice. For that, except for a small squirrel. I could put a little, a little, uh, a little corset on it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it is a female squirrel. Mm-hmm. So. Was that squirrel's name Tip Top, I think? Tiptoe. Tiptoe. I think it's Tiptoe. Okay. I'd have to look it up for sure, but yeah. So I have those two things that I really want to do. The second day of Fanex is also my friend Aaron's wedding. And. He's like, well, uh, you're coming to the wedding and the reception, right? And I'm like, dude, you only get one. You know it's Fan X. Mm-hmm. And you know that this was planned before you chose your wedding day. How could you do this to me? Yeah. Weekend before, weekend after, perfect. Mm-hmm. But this day, man. That's probably what made the place available wherever they're going. Not necessarily. Nobody else scheduled it. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work out, frankly. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know what time the wedding is. Well, yeah. Um, my guess is that it's going to be late morning, 
but I don't know for sure. And then if we're not going to go to Fenix after all, that kind of frees up some things. Yeah, but in any case, it's all just a bit, a bunch of big question marks right now, and yep. I hate that. Oh, yeah, the I, we don't know what we're doing thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's a month away. As, as Day one is September 16th. This coming Monday, as of this recording, is August 16th. Yeah. That's a month away. Come on. <laughs> Those are my cosplay woes. I was checking Facebook to see if it had any notifications, but nope. Probably because nobody knows the fucking answer. Yep. So you've become obsessed with Tee Public. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got me into Tee Public because a lot of your nerd tees that you wear, especially when you're doing like the Unready Room on YouTube, is you'll have some kind of geeky shirt on, usually Star Trek related, and a lot of these you get from Tee Public. And it's like, okay, I, I, I get it. I, your shirts are super cool and super nerdy and then find out that they have band shirts on there as well and other things than just like star trek star wars marvel dc you know there's other fandoms on there as well so yeah i'm starting to get a lot of shirts from t public especially when they have the 13 dollars sales because mm-hmm. you can get a bunch of shirts for like under 100 bucks yes like I just got Vumpscut's shirt, and Vumpscut took his W logo from Wayland Yutani, mm-hmm. and it's obvious. And you know, people that pick up on that put the Vumpscut logo, and then building better sounds rather yep. than building better worlds. Yep. A Bella Lugosi's dead shirt. I got a really cool Einstein Neubauten shirt that has the band's name done like sideways, and then it's got the that weird scrawled man logo on the side too that you know is for the band's logo really because mm-hmm. i've searched for like official merch that i haven't it, liked anything you can't find it and the fan art stuff and it's better quality too because i picked up another bauhaus shirt through hot topic and the quality is horrible mm. uh, within days the paint started peeling off See, I have quite a few Star Trek shirts from Hot Topic, and I uh, haven't had problems with any of them. Yeah, this well, these were like custom; like you, they yes, had to make them to order. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this—I don't know what it might have been just a fluke, but it makes me not want to buy from them again. Yeah, no. Why would you want to when you can have much bigger selection? Mm-hmm. Because if there's any kind of fandom for it, you're gonna find it on T Public. But yeah, there's stuff for Tai Chi on there. There's stuff for Dungeons and Dragons. There's just so much. But finding the band stuff, because I got a Skinny Puppy logo shirt from T Public too. So yeah. yeah, I'm a bit addicted now. And so every time they have a sale, it's like, oh, do I really need more shirts? And I don't, but grab them anyway. Because well, there's some design I like. The actual shirt itself is good quality, yep. and so is the screen printing. Yeah, because I did other nerdy stuff too, like Doctor Doom and Nightcrawler and Raven and Rogue. Yeah, the right Rogue. Yep, the right. With the black and the green. Yeah, it's great. She's in the 80s kind of Claremont era where she's wearing the black bodysuit with the green half shirt and you know the gloves and the little kitten boots. And she's in that outfit, just kind of the the bust of her, you know, her head and shoulders, and saying that Punk's not dead. (laughs) 
And it's really well painted, too. It's, it's got a lot of character to it. The nice thing about Tea Public, too, is that the money goes to the individual artists. Mm-hmm. So Tea Public doesn't afford all of that. Yeah, it's weird that they can get away with stuff that's copyright infringement, technically. <laughs> no, if it's copyright infringement, it gets taken down. Believe me, uh-huh. I know. These are artists making money off of somebody else's intellectual property, so that's that's the weird thing. Yeah, but that's the same thing with fan art. Yeah. And, and that's not copyright infringement. Yeah, and people were worried about that too, is especially with Disney, you know, taking over so many of these properties, is how would that affect conventions where people are selling Marvel or Star Wars art? Has it affected them at all? Would Disney crack down on them? Nope. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Which is fine, because people are still going to buy the original art, you know? I mean, if if it's like a one-to-one copy, I can see how that's an issue. Like if somebody's just copying the comic book image of another creator, you know, if you did a Jack Kirby cover or something and sold that, <laughs> how that would be infringement. But if you're doing your own fan interpretation of a character, then yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, you could even do a cover and do a different style of yep. drawing, and it's yeah. not copyright infringement. Yeah, as long as it's different. As long as you're not like basically going Google image, grabbing the item, and then putting on a shirt and selling it. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. But yes, I like these shirts a lot. Something for everybody. Yep, and we're wearing a wrestling tee right now. Yep. Because we're also into AEW wrestling, and I've got a Luther shirt on, the original Death Dealer. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I tend to like the heels, but that kind of makes sense. It depends on the heel yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, we talked last time about Chris and Chelsea. Um, right. In our shout-outs. They have had their baby. Baby. Their little baby girl. They have named her Maisie. Nice. I have seen pictures of her, and I can see aspects of both Chris and Chelsea in her cute little face. Nice. And I can only imagine how exhausted Chelsea is. Oh, yes. Even now. It's been a week to the time of recording Mm -hmm. since the baby has been born. And you don't recover from something like that overnight. No, 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 no. You just don't. So I can imagine that she is very tired. And I imagine that Chris is taking very good care of her and Maisie. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I can't wait to see what this little munchkin grows into because mm-hmm. she is coming from really top-notch people. Well, creative, fun, uh, politi- politically well-minded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, would be a creative atmosphere to grow up in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, just playtime will be a hoot no yes. matter what they do. So, yeah, and just the loving environment to grow up in. Mm-hmm. That makes you jealous of the kid. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> to be raised like that. What would that have been like? Yeah. So coming from a parents that divorced when I was six. Well, me coming from a family that didn't understand me. Yep. And teachers in school who made me feel like I was less than because I was different. Mm-hmm. It would have been a very interesting thing to have been loved and supported and not told... I'm to this. I'm to that. I'm too emotional. I'm too, I I'm too shy. Oh, I hate that word. Well, also when you find out who really successful people are compared to people who grow up to be like abusive narcissists, mm. and what traits they showed while growing up, it's like why are you valuing 
personality traits that are so toxic when personality traits for people who you know grow up more i don't know creative and interesting and contribute to society rather than mooch off of it yeah there there's just a lot of times in my life that i have felt not supported by the people who should have my back at every turn and just didn't yeah i feel yeah I don't have to worry about that now. No, because I try to support you as best I can. You don't try, you do. That is all of the news. That is all of the news. Uh, Shall we go ahead and get into the dark track then? Let's do the thing. The Dark Track comes from a Spanish gothic rock band called the Eternal Fall. It's basically one guy who goes by the name Sol. Mm. S-O-L, as in like the sun. And in live performances, he has a live bass guitarist who goes by, well, his name apparently is Francisco, but it could be a stage name as well, (laughs) for all I know. One person doing all the music for the studio releases. And this comes off a compilation, two-disc compilation of their works called Emptiness Volumes 1 and 2. And it is called The Watcher. So this is The Watcher by The Eternal Fall.
It's a Gann who got buried vocals, which you're not a big fan of. Uh, I am not. I like his voice. Yep. So yeah, this always reminds me of Rosetta Stone. Yeah, Rosetta Stone has that quality to it, where the vocals are really buried deep in the mix, and so sometimes it's kind of hard to hear unless you're listening to headphones and a quiet room alone in the dark, and <laughs> you can hear what words are spoken. So a mark against, you know, the vocalist and even you know, not being able to hear the lyrics. So if you had headphones in, you might have picked up on what was sung. But yeah, there was a little bit of reverb. There's a little bit of uh, a bearing in the mix. So yeah, it was a bit hard to make out the actual words. I did like the singing style, just, you know, the, the nature of, the voice just you couldn't quite hear what it said the cat and i were having a staring contest i won oh okay he looked away huh he did was... he even know you were competing oh yeah he was glowering at me okay and now he's looking away in chain mm-hmm. he's like you win i can't i can't keep eye contact with you that long you're terrifying why is he laying on the floor i don't know hmm. he's been doing that a lot especially in that area uh, it's probably because it's cold right there yeah so I think there is, well, I don't, we wouldn't have cold air return coming anyway because we don't have the furnace on. Yep. So there's no reason to sit there because that's kind of where the cold air return is. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, it's got that basic uh, post-punk kind of uh, snapping backbeat kind of drum beat to it. Fun kind of staccato rhythm to it. Doesn't really go many places except towards the end where, like you pointed out, that he changes octave. Mm-hmm. In the vocals. Yeah, it jumps up an octave. Which is interesting. It adds some variance to the music. Not as much as a key change would have, but still some variance. Yes. Instead of just singing in the same tone throughout. Indeed. Yep. So, built up towards the end there. Twist to the end. Dark in that eerie romantic side of goth. More haunting and melodic and such other than... Being more towards its uh, punk roots. Yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Black Dog Podcast version 2.0. The shut-in cinema. Let me out. Yay. <laughs> Yay. I was going to do something dramatic and, and, and try and make something up about like we're we're frozen in time or something Uh, don't peak too soon uh, don't peak too soon no no we're not gonna peak too soon we're back i'm lee darren i'm jim (laughs) and And i'm elton oh we got there we got there we're we're in we're moving we're moving let's all touch no no mustn't no no no, no, we're all we're all exactly two hundred million miles apart, just as it says yeah. in 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 rules and regs and everything. All right, shall we do this then? We've got so many things. We've uh, got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things. Eight things to review. Eight so things. here comes the reviews. Where do you want to begin? Let's start with lower decks because there's only one episode in because we can't talk about the other four we've seen. Yeah, because it's borrowed. <laughs> yes. That's the one thing we borrowed. We borrowed screeners that we can't talk about. Well, we didn't borrow them. They were sent to us. Yeah, we were sent to us. Just we borrowed them ahead of time in that we know what happens in future episodes. So, Lower Decks, Season 2, Episode 1. A bit 
of a reset for people that might not have been into the first season or might not have seen the first seasons because there's a little bit of setup for characters there's a bit of rehashing certain relationships and just just securing what the show is so it's kind of like setting the pieces onto the game board well to be fair with rutherford it literally is Mm -hmm. him not remembering the past year yeah because his implant and part of his brain were ripped out because of Shaq's and Badgie. Fucking Badgie. Yeah. Um, and Shaq's saved his life by ripping out his implant. Yeah, and piece of his brain with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting way to do it, too, story-wise, is to give actual cause to why you might revisit certain aspects of the characters and what the relationships are to one another. Even to the point where Mariner's like, wait, this seems familiar. Yeah. Like the whole thing about Rutherford uh, dating... Ensign Barnes. Yeah, Ensign Barnes. And but this was their third like, date. Barnes is hot! <laughs> oh, she's really cute. Are you nervous? Wait, this sounds familiar. This sounds because that was from a previous episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they hung a lantern on it and said, yeah, we know what we're doing. But this time they were on date three, whereas... Mm-hmm. They didn't last past date one in season one. Yep. And now he likes pears. Fuck pears. And also establishing Mariner is Freeman's daughter and that they're working together. And they both hate it. And Jack, who's the number one, also hates it because he used to be the one that the captain would go to. And now the captain's going to her daughter for special missions. And so he's feeling left out. So, yeah, you really kind of lock down on what everyone, you know, in the main cast's role is. Except for Boimler, because he transferred to another ship. He's on the Titan now with Captain Riker. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We get glimpses of what his life is like on, you know, the... At the very end. Yeah, the bridge crew. I do find it amusing that she is... Still using the holodeck for therapy? Yeah, because there was that episode that really parodied all the Star Trek films because Mm -hmm. it was basically using the holodeck as if it was a movie. Mm -hmm. And that during that time, Mariner was getting some issues off her chest regarding her relationship with her mother and so on. And even with herself. (laughs) Yeah. And you get a little bit of that, too, is, am I a good person? No, no, you're not a good person. She is sometimes. Yep. Sometimes she's not. And we've got a nice reference to, you know, the four lights thing. They keep showing me lights because they were on a Cardassian face. And it, there was a holographic Boimler. He's like, hey, I'm just a hologram, but I'm sure the real Boimler had his reasons. I mean, were you ever intimidating to him? Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what? No. No. Of course she was. Yeah. A lot of good gags. A lot of references to other Trek, which they do very well. Mm-hmm. And the way that they do it is, in a way, it's it's really hard to do this, but they make it so that people who know nothing about Trek will enjoy it, and people who know everything about Trek will enjoy it. Yeah. Everybody comes away satisfied. Yeah, they make references that are super obscure for, like, the diehard fans that know Star Trek backwards and forwards, but are also pretty funny gags all on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, sitting bedside, 
of a crewmate and reading a poem that people who are in the know know that Roddenberry wrote mm -hmm. for a scene in what is it the first aired yeah it's the it's the first, first broadcast it's the, it's the series premiere of the original series right um, because they didn't air the cage yeah uh, and it's called where no man has gone before and it's the Gary Mitchell episode. Yeah, which this one references a lot. Well, and they did that in season one, too. Yeah. They referenced Scary Mitchell more than once. When Jack gets godlike powers, he just becomes more Jack. <laughs> yeah, because he's all into physical fitness, and so he's getting yoked by lifting trees with his mind. But he's still doing, like, bicep curls. Yep, working those buys and tries. and tries. When he's... A giant head in space chasing around the Cerritos. And then he starts growing hands. And the guys like, brace for grabbing! Brace for grabbing! <laughs> Just silly. And then Rutherford and Tendy having this... Um, I guess it's not really a disagreement, but Tendy is not adjusting well to Rutherford's things that he likes now that he didn't before. Right. Etc. And she thinks that he's going to not like her anymore. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, if he's changing his opinions on pairs, does that mean he'll change his opinion on their friendship? The truth be told, she was more worried about Ensign Barnes because, you know, when they finally work it out and they're hugging and she says, don't date Ensign Barnes. Yep, and then he gives <laughs> us look like, what? What? They make reference again to cetacean ops, which we yeah. are never going to see. Yeah, because they are going to go swimming Rutherford and Barnes and, and, and some a, other... A woman who worked yep. in cetacean ops. Yep. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go swim with girls. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to swim with girls. Jack does one good thing in this episode by making both Mariner and Captain Freeman admit that they mm -hmm. do not want to work together. You don't like each other. You're liars. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, of course, there's this, it's a scene that we saw in the trailer where... Mariner says, you've got a crew waiting to take me, don't you? Oh, you know me so well. <laughs> it's my favorite place. I love you, Mom. Yep. I love you, too. Never disobey me again. I do what I want. <laughs> yep. Mariner, you like her, but I wouldn't get along with her. You know oh, what no. I mean? She'd drive me nuts. Because it's just that I do what I want kind of attitude. It's like, yeah, that's fine for you. Mm -hmm. How is that for everyone around you? And yeah. Th and this episode you know the first episode of season two kind of shows how her not thinking things through or her just wanting to do her own missions kind of bites her in the ass yeah and well it's like she doesn't quite take responsibility for it well to be fair she was doing something good yeah she was trying to beautify this town this you know that they did second contact for and since their industrial revolution all the buildings are just Covered in soot. in soot and whatever else. So she was power washing them with the sonic power washer and uh, and covered this building with this device on top that could grant you super powers like godlike abilities, strange energy, strange energy, which made me think of Information Society's pure energy, which is also a Star Trek reference. Yeah, because that has um, Leonard Nimoy's yes. voice. I think my favorite part of his whole thing was at the end when Mariner's kicking in in his neutral zone. And he he curls up and rolls on his side and vomits out the strange energy. It's like vomiting a rainbow. Mm -hmm. It was just 
funny. And I love that they just called it strange energy and made that a canon thing. Even the doctor going, oh yeah, it's just unknown energy that grants peculiar abilities. Yeah, well she says it's energies with strange properties that are unpredictable. Now we do know that Jack wants to be a captain, which I pretty much assumed at this point. Return of Jennifer the Andorian. Yes, that was an improvised bit in the first season and become a more established character. So it's likely somebody we'll see more of. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be in there. And when Tawny was reading the lines, she was just supposed to get out of the way, get out of the way. And then she's like, Get out of the way, Jennifer! <laughs> they just loved the way she said it so much yeah, that she that they kept it. And the artists are like, well, I guess we have to create Jennifer now. Yeah, Who well, is they, she? They had some background characters that were already going to be in the screen. They're like, oh, well, here's Jennifer. Yep. The Sandorian named Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So it's probably spelled differently. Yep. Now <laughs> they've got Lauren Lapkus portraying her, which is perfect. Yes. Because she's a fellow perfect. improviser and has worked with Tawny, so... And Paul. And Paul. Yeah, Paul Shear. No, and, pa- oh, Paul... F. Tompkins. F. Tompkins, yeah. Because imagine they've all been guests on How Did This Get Made as well, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all know each other. Yep. That's what's great about it. It's like already a family. Yes. It's all these improvisers and, and comedic actors. Indeed. So, good times. Thumbs up for season premiere. Wish I could talk about the other four episodes, but we Yeah, can't. especially four, because... Uh, there's some sour pusses that are like, I didn't even crack a smile. It's like, wait till they see four. Oof. But yeah. we can't get into it. Well, if, you, if you're watching it and you're not enjoying it, it's your own fault that you're watching it. You can True. choose to not watch something you don't enjoy. Yeah, every day I don't watch something I wouldn't enjoy. Yeah, me too. And I also do not take to the internet and talk about how much I don't like it. Or want something canceled that I don't even watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can watch The Bachelor all you want, because I know Bachelor and Bachelorette, there's a lot of people in the industry that watch those programs because they don't want to watch scripted television, because they're in the industry and they don't want to be, you know, involved. That's work. That's like going home and watching more work. So they watch something that's just trashy reality television, and they get something out of it, so who's to shame them for it? No, I don't shame anybody for watching something that they enjoy. Yep. I shame people who watch something they don't enjoy just for the purpose of complaining about it <laughs> yeah. and wanting it canceled. Yeah, just hate watching and complaining yeah. about a thing and mm-hmm. saying somebody's going to get fired even though every year they get hired and actually expand the thing that they're show running. There is this Facebook group I used to be a member of and then I left that group on Friday because... I guess that was yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday was a long day. Yeah, yesterday was Friday. I'm not going to say the name of the group. It's not necessary. But it was this meme that basically said Star Trek is dead and it's not coming back. And then the comments were all like, we just have to accept the fact that that Star Trek is not going to continue, that this new Trek isn't really Trek, and all this bullshit. And I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. And I left the group immediately. That'd be one of the fun times to, like, get the Saturday Night Live sketch with Bill Shatner telling people to get a life mm-hmm. and just putting it there. It's like, get a life. It's like, you don't get to determine what Star Trek is or isn't. No, you don't own it. No, you don't. You're a consumer. Mm-hmm. You're a consumer, but that doesn't mean you own it because you're not creating it. Yes, you do not own the rights. Yep. 
And uh, God forbid if you did own it and be able to create it, because then it'd just be fan service wankery. Which it, people could try to level at Lower Decks, but Lower Decks does it in such a tongue-in-cheek fashion that it's loving, yes, but it, there's still a kind of poking, loving fun at it like your best friends can do, you mm-hmm. know? Or they can kind of make fun of you in a, in a non-hurtful way. Yes. So, yeah, there's there's fan service kind of stuff like referencing previous episodes or putting in a ship or something like that, Easter eggs in the background. But at the same time, it's, it's telling a story in such a way that some people get really pissed off. And, you know, Mariner's just the type of character that a lot of these Star Trek fans hate with a passion. She's a capable woman of color that speaks and acts for herself. Yep. And that really rubs against the grain of some folks that just want their white space daddies. Yeah, well, I mean, in the very first episode of Lower Decks, and after this we're going to move on, because we've got other things to get through, she is sneaking off from their second contact mission to go take farming tools Mm -hmm. to these outliers who aren't going to get the help that they need soon enough. And that's what Boimler catches her doing. She's doing a good thing, Mm -hmm. because... Unfortunately, politics are still a thing. Yeah, bureaucracy is still a thing. They're not distributing the things that need to be distributed in a timely fashion. So it could be years before uh, Starfleet or UFP would get around to them. She was making sure they were taken care of so they could maintain their livelihood. That's the kind of person that Mariner is Mm -hmm. at her core. She wants the right thing to be done. She doesn't want to wait for bureaucracy to do it. Mm -hmm. That is basically Mariner in a nutshell. She will bulldoze anyone in her way. She does not give any fucks. Yeah. You can't argue that she's effective because she is. (laughs) However. (laughs) However, there's... Such a thing as diplomacy. Yeah. In her rush to do the good thing, sometimes she overlooks the bad things that might result from it. Mm Mm-hmm. That does happen sometimes, yep. but yeah, at her core, Mariner is a good person, and she is doing basically what Starfleet does, and what their purpose is as a second contact ship. Because yeah, first contact is the really exciting part, and oh, ah, oh, now they're going to become part of the United Federation of Planets, now we've got to send a ship to set all that up. Yep. That's actually the harder job. Meeting somebody and coming to terms with them, yeah. But then actually organizing how that works. Yeah, you can come together and pitch an idea, but when it comes to producing it, yeah, that's when things tend to fall apart. Yep. All right, what's next on the ledger? Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon is on Apple Plus? Apple TV. Apple TV. It's confusing because some things are Mac, some things are Plus, some things are... It's like everybody's Apple got a gimmick. TV. Yes, we did pick up Apple TV for one particular reason, but you pointed out that this television show Schmigadoon is on there as well, mm-hmm. and it sounded interesting. Yes, so we gave it a go, and it's got a bit of a fan base behind it too. A lot of people seem to be watching it and enjoying it as well. That's because it's fucking great. So basically, it's a couple who are starting to seemingly fall out of love or it's just the spark's not there as it used to be and so they go on this retreat this couple's retreat to reconnect 
and in so doing, they happen across this strange town <laughs> that seems to be performing a musical, like a big 1950s Technicolor musical. Oh, yes. <laughs> Everything's very Technicolor in this show. Lots of Oklahoma. Uh, Music Man, I'm sure, is in there, too. All the big musicals you can think of, there's... There's nods there, but it seems like there's a lot of, uh, of Oklahoma going on. Well, it is that very small town yep. rural aspect mm. of it. Like the musical Brigadoon, this place isn't always there, yep. but they're trapped there. They can't leave. <laughs> no, because you can only leave if you find true love. And so that just puts more pressure on the relationship because... Apparently, one of them doesn't truly love the other, or the neither of them truly loves one another, or who the hell even knows what true love means. Because, you know, there are issues on both sides. Right. You can't force your likes on somebody. Mm. Like, she wanted him to watch musicals with her, and he didn't want to watch musicals. Which is funny, because so, he'll every once in a while reference something like Glee, and he's like, you watch Glee? He's like, I'm aware of Glee. <laughs> well... I think he watched Glee, yeah. to be honest. If there's something that I like that doesn't interest you, mm -hmm. I don't get upset with you because you don't like it. Yeah, because I wasn't terribly drawn into Masters of the Universe, which is something we'll talk about later, and you've continued to watch that. Mm -hmm. To be fair, the first episode is not indicative of the rest of the series. Right. And it's actually pretty amazing, because I thought, I want to know what happens after that first episode, mm -hmm. and I was just... I didn't expect to be ugly crying at points, but anyway, <laughs> yep. we'll get there. Yeah, Schmigadoon. So we've got Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong as our two star-crossed lovers or uh, whatever. Yeah, some of the most talented uh, sketch comedy performers you'll ever see. and Absolutely. Capable singers, performers in their own right. Yes, well, Keegan-Michael Key, very good at singing. Yep. And Cecily has always been singing on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. Quite a bit. Yeah. They've both got a lot of experience in that, but also at comedy. And then you have a bunch of people that are known for Broadway, mm -hmm. but also screen acting. Yeah, it's a who's who of big Broadway names and, and screen names. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've got Alan Cumming yep. and Kristen Chenoweth. And Fred Armisen and Ariana DeBose, who, if you don't know her, she's uh, she's been in Hamilton and is really coming to, into her own right now. Other people who I'm forgetting. And Martin Short. <laughs> Martin Short. Even. As a leprechaun. I have never seen Kristen Chenoweth this way. Mm-hmm. She's usually the bubbly person. Yeah, I and mean, she's just she's, this preacher's wife and very sinister. She's kind of the heavy of the piece. She's a book burner. Book you know. burner, and if you're not married, you have to have separate rooms kind mm -hmm. of person. Yes. They realize fairly early on, you know, pretty much within the first day, that this place is not just putting on a performance. This is how they exist. Mm -hmm. And, like, the, there's nobody playing this music. Nope. They're, and then suddenly they're waiting, like, there's a song about corn pudding. Uh-huh. <laughs> And they're waiting for you to sing a verse, and you're like, okay, and then Cecily does it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that just kind of came to me. Yeah, she gets her own song later mm -hmm. in, in episode two, three. Yeah, kind of a flirty number she does with this uh, carnival 
worker. Yeah. Let's talk about the ensemble for just a second. Oh my god. It's a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds, variety of ages even. Mm -hmm. And they are one of the best ensembles I have ever seen in anything ever. Just wow. Yeah, you could tell they strived to get the right cast, even for supporting roles, to present this musical, this magical musical city, Mm -hmm. to get the most talented people they could, even in the background, you know, just doing the dance parts or just part of the company, you know, doing just chorus line stuff. Yeah, that's what the ensemble does. Mm -hmm. That's why... They're so amazing. They're just spot on all the time. The singing, the dancing, mm-hmm. facial expressions, everything. They're just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, like songs like Cordon Puddin', which is yep. just a silly song about breakfast, but also there's sexual innuendo there. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, are we really singing about Corn Puddin', or are we singing about something else? I would think that that would actually be Corn Chowder, because yep. if if it was the consistency of Puddin'. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I like corn. Mm-hmm. And I like corn chowder, but ugh. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Because <laughs> I grew up watching musicals. Mm-hmm. There are so many references for me. But you don't have to know musicals to enjoy it. Well, even the set direction and art design mm-hmm. is so 1950s musical. It looks like it's all on a soundstage. It really does. There's, I mean, the trees look fake they look plaster yeah and just some of the backdrops is like that could just be like like a backdrop just a painted backdrop and imagine they're doing a lot of stuff with green screen and yeah just just the four color presentation of it just technicolor just pretty remarkable how they capture that look and feel and sound and even the dancing is just spot on oh yeah it's amazing the gentleman who has composed all of these songs, whose name escapes me for the moment, is a genius. Mm. Absolute genius. Because to be able to take something that is going to evoke memories of something else without being exactly like it, with like being a parody of it without being just the same song with different words, uh-huh. that is hard. And like the their very first big song, which is the Schmigadoon theme song. Yes. It's very much like the Oklahoma theme Mm -hmm. song, the title song. Yeah. But not. (laughs) It's like when Weird Al does a song in the style of, without actually being a direct parody of a song, like Dare to be Stupid being a Devo song. Mm -hmm. Very much done in the style of a Devo song, but not being a Devo song. Suicide Squad! Yes, we actually went to the theater to see Suicide Squad. Well, technically it's The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. that designates it from the other one. Yep. Which was just Suicide Squad. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's super fun. Yes. Super funny. Visually striking. I loved Polka Dot Man. Everybody does. Yeah, it's nice to see David getting more and more recognition. Because apparently he's in Gotham, too. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, he also was in The Dark Knight. He's been Ant-Man. in a lot of things. In Ant-Man, etc. He's been in Arrow. No, excuse me, The Flash. Yes, he's the magician. Yep. Here's the thing I didn't know, because I looked him up on IMDb. This is interesting, to say the least. But 
James Gunn basically wrote this role for him. Oh, interesting. He has this skin condition that causes his skin to make it look like he's got little polka dots Mm -hmm. on it. It's not a joke. Right. That's literally his life. He grew up with this Uh and was so self-conscious about it all the time. And so he knows the mindset of this character already. Wow. Is just mind-blowing. And the way they treated his resentment for his mother who did the experiments that caused him to have this condition. That's not part of David's life. But it's interesting how they made that part of, you know, Polka Dot Man's life and how that gets represented in the film mm-hmm. is, a, is a delight. When he read the script, he's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is me. <laughs> <laughs> They've been friends for a very long time. James oh, that's Gunn very cool. And David Dasnokian. I hope they said that right. Dasmakian? Dasmakian. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen the last name, so that's why I'm forgetting it. Yeah, I don't have it at the moment. Couldn't love him more. He also loves cats and adopted a cat, a stray cat in Panama that he now has a little polka dot man suit for that the Mm -hmm. costume designer made. It's like the cutest (laughs) fucking thing. Oh my god. Posting pictures of him and his cat. He he has had his difficulties in life when Mm -hmm. he was eighteen. He almost committed suicide. Well, there's a vulnerability in his acting that reminds me of John Cazale playing Fredo in The Godfather. And that's kind of a thankless role because you're playing the weak brother in this family of strong personalities. Oh, yeah. But it's a certain character or certain actor that can pull that off and still be sympathetic. And he has that quality. And I think in performing as the Polka Dot Man... That really comes through very strong. Oh, yeah. Because there's references of, you know, we're all going to die. And he says, oh, I hope so. You know, because he, he says, hates oh, God, living I with this so. condition. Actually, I ha- I can't fault anyone in this movie at all. It's interesting the weird misdirections it does. Even opening with Michael Rooker as, what, Vanguard Savant. or whatever. Savant. That's his name. Savant. And, and opening with him playing with this ball and killing this bird with it and you get this kind of idea that he's like long shot from daredevil you know this this super marksman that anything in his hands are a lethal weapon which is a joke they make several times about several characters mm-hmm. we already have somebody you said something about unique skills everybody here has something in their hands becomes a lethal weapon no matter what it is and there's like three of us now that can do that we get introduced to savant and the film's opening with him and then they go on this mission and uh, all these guys die because it's the distraction to get the A team in. And they're actually in the B team. They just don't know it. Mm-hmm. They have no <laughs> idea they're the B team. Yeah, the, the whole point is for them to get slaughtered just to draw forces away from the A team. Nathan Fillion as the detachable kid. Oh, or uh, <laughs> arm fall off boy. Basically. Yep. Lee of the Black Dog podcast in their previous show you know before they came back with 2.0 because of the pandemic you know they actually had stopped doing the black dog and then brought it back during quarantine as just something to do they had shitty superheroes it was a regular segment on the show where lee would break open a book of shitty superheroes and reference one of them and arm fall off boy was one it's basically said that like the whole of suicide squad is like the shitty superheroes like polka dot man being one of them or was the Javelin guy. And yeah, his name was Javelin. Yeah, Javelin. Captain and Boomerang. 
Black Dog even talked about Danny the Street, who is on Doom Patrol. Oh, I love Danny the Street! Mm-hmm. And Danny the Street being named after Danny LaRue, who's a um, drag queen. And so kind of a reference to, you know, just be the LGBTQ plus community and just kind of a nice nod from the comic book creator to reference, you know, this famous drag queen in the street that's a safe haven for people who are marginalized. But yeah, I enjoyed Suicide Squad a lot. Uh, Once again, Margot Robbie did her own stunts often, like including the foot trick with the key to unlock herself. Yeah, dangling. She, she was hanging from the wrists mm-hmm. in chains. I wasn't really at first into her Harley Quinn until I saw Birds of Prey, and then I'm like, I get it, I yep. get it, I understand, I get it. It's interesting to have this character that is so psychologically abused because what the Joker has done with her is just well, what her father did to her. her. Father, yeah, because you know she became this psychotherapist and the idea at least in you know the original character creation is the joker drove her mad through their sessions together it's kind of like that bit of the legend behind hannibal lecter that he caused one of his therapists to eat his own face Mm. which i don't know how you can do but you know the magic of psychopaths apparently there's just this weird thing in fiction where psychopaths have magical abilities to manipulate people but anyway that you know, she's just this victim of abuse. But the way that she's written in at least these last couple of movies is she's so pro-feminist in a way. Like she talks she about is. you know being in this relationship with this guy behind this big coup in this uh, South American island country. Mm-hmm. And then she points out that she's looking for red flags because she knows she has bad taste in men. And so she's come... To learn to look for certain red flags, and one of them being killing kids, that that's not acceptable, even after she slept with him, which is also cool because it's being sex positive, you yes. know? It's like, yeah, she went ahead and slept with the guy, but after that, it's like, no, I don't want to kill kids. So she ends up shooting him, and he's like supposedly the big bad. But not. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, wow. But takes him out just by shooting him with one of his collected revolvers. That she didn't even think would have a bullet in it. Yeah. But it did. It's like, oh, it had a bullet in it. Huh. I do love what she says as he's, you know, as he's finally died. She says, I think you're prettier this way. With all those awful thoughts out of your head. <laughs> yeah, as he's bleeding onto the floor. <laughs> Gotta love her. Mm-hmm. She's magic every time she's on screen. You can tell she loves playing the character. Mm-hmm. And would do it as long as she can. And I welcome that. Yeah, there's just certain times where... An actor and a character blend so well. It's like people say about Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, there's no better casting. Yeah. So I do love that she gets top billing, too, yeah. in the movie. We've got John Cena appearing as well as was his... Peacemaker. Peacemaker, which is, again, one of these dark turns of the Captain America type. Person that's supposed to fight for... The country, the stars and stripes, but what that really means is covering up the atrocities. Well, he he says this. Yep. He says, I love peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, or children I have to kill to get it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, yep. there is your problem, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're willing to go to war to preserve peace, which... That's not how it works. Yeah. 
Not how it works. Which our team leader actually tells him, you're, you're a joke. You're a punchline. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you are. That's Colonel Flag. Yeah, Colnel Flag. Played by Joel Kinnaman. Yep. Oh, hotness. You don't, you know, you say you're this thing and that you're fighting for these reasons, but you're not. You're a joke. You're, you'd kill your own team members to protect a secret to avoid embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Because you're a so-called patriot. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman is Colonel Rick Flag. I spent the whole movie going, where have I seen him? Where have I seen him? Where have I seen him? And so I had to finally look him up after the movie was over. And I've seen him in Altered Carbon. Ah, I Very have not seen Altered he's, Carbon. He's, I've heard he's about it. so different mm-hmm. in that series that I, it just, I couldn't make the connection. Uh, people brought up an interesting point with Flag and Harley Quinn is that they're friends without any sexual thing going on mm-hmm. at all. Yep. They just like each other, and yeah. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Women can be friends yeah. with men mm-hmm. without having it be about sex. That he's actually nice to her, and that's rare for people yeah. to be nice to Harley Quinn. Well, it's so funny when uh, when she's escaped on her own, and there she catches them <laughs> about to go in to rescue her, mm-hmm. and he tells her, oh, we're, we're coming to rescue you were? Well, actually, I could go back inside and you could do it anyway. It's like, it was actually a really good plan, too. And she's like, oh, I can go back in and you can still do it. It's like, no, there's no reason to. So she hugs him and he's like awkwardly got this arm around her and stroking her back with his gun because he's got his gun in his yeah. hand. And he's just like comforting her with his gun. Of course, we have Idris Elba, too, in here doing uh. his actual accent which is fun oh my god i love idris elba so much he's mm. so good in this movie yep and i loved when they went into where actually the freedom fighters were mm-hmm. because that's where flag was being kept thinking that it was the enemy and they just go in and kill everybody and i automatically knew okay this is not an enemy camp mm-hmm. these are freedom fighters because one's getting another coffee and they're thanking one another and one's in a tub just kind of bathing it's like this is not an enemy camp this Mm-mm. is something else entirely and they just go in and like the hall scene hallway fight scene in old boy just this constant stream of people getting murdered in creative ways as peacemaker and whatever it was Elber's blood sport blood sport i can't remember any of these names uh blood sport are having a one-offmanship Mm-hmm. With how creatively they kill. And even Idris says it's not about how creative you kill somebody or how cool it is. And it's like, yeah, it is. It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you got me, it is. It is about the coolest way you can kill somebody. I got to see Peen. Yeah, there's a guy who's just wearing a shirt and he's, no bottoms. He's a Donald Duck. He's yeah. Donald Duck in it. He's Donald Duck in it. And so you got to see male penis. Penis. And, and really, that... I guess they did go into a gentleman's club. I don't remember there being female nudity in it. There was no female nudity. Yeah, that's that's wild. Because usually were... if they find a reason to go into a gentleman's club, there's there's bare breasts. But I don't remember seeing any. No, it was... I don't think it's that kind of gentleman's club. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about Capaldi being the thinker. Yeah, well, we've got a lot of things to talk about. So pace yourself. Yeah. Because we also have to talk about Viola Davis as... Right. Waller. Brilliant. Oof. She is so good. Mm -hmm. She is so good. Because, again, I had forgotten it was Viola Davis. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching her and going, I know who this is. Who is that? And that's the exact kind of person that would be in charge of this kind of project. Yes. It's like, okay, take a convict, hook him up to this device that will explode their brain, and then send them out there on a suicide mission Mm -hmm. where you know they're going to fail. But I also want to talk about 
the person that everybody is talking about and everybody loves besides Polka Dot Man. And that is, oh my god, why can't I find... What is that, Starro? <laughs> no, not Starro. Daniela Melchior, who was Ratcatcher 2. Well, Ratcatcher, and how she'd always be sleepy. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if she had some kind of disease from the rats that made her sleepy all the time, like some kind of parasite. Or maybe she's narcoleptic, you yeah. don't know. Or just comes with the side effect of controlling rats all the time. Yeah. Is that you're sleepy as well? She's amazing. She makes everybody love her. Everybody on that team loves her. I saw someone share kind of a spoiler thing for the end of Suicide Squad using only Pokemon. Oh my god. And it basically had the Rattata and the Starfish looking thing mm-hmm. next to one another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. But she she's really great. Yes. She's interesting. She's relatable. You really wonder how she could end up in such a maximum security prison. Yeah. And I think that it it has nothing to do with her crime and everything to do with the fact that Amanda Waller thought, oh, I'm going to keep her around so Mm -hmm. I can use her. Well, you saw that was the same method she used to get Bloodsport to Mm -hmm. join. Yeah. Is to bring his daughter in Mm -hmm. and threaten her life or her future because she had stolen basically an apple watch or something similar to it uh that was a great scene yeah with him and they just exchanging fuck yous Mm -hmm. no it was great it was great on both sides well him saying i told you to avoid people like me Mm -hmm. and they told you to avoid doing the things i do and to stay clean and makes you think maybe this was some kind of setup to have her steal this thing or if it's just something she did because she's a dumb kid i think she's just a dumb kid Honestly. Yeah, it's like, how sinister is the Suicide Squad project? Would I they... mean, it's pretty sinister, but yeah. you can't... I don't think that it, it was a situation where she had to be tricked into doing something. Right. At all. She's it, a teenager. It's more like, find the opportunity and then use that yeah. to bring in Bloodsport. Yeah. Is, am I the only one that noticed that Bloodsport's helmet looked like a xenomorph? No, I noticed immediately. As <laughs> soon as like, I saw the teeth, I just, yeah, that I was looks like, like a, xenomorph a xenomorph helmet. Uh, and also his weird guns that were modular and he could just add all the pieces to create a really huge gun. That was interesting. We need to talk about Nanawe. Ah, King Shark. King Shark. Oh my God. Voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Friends? I swear, James Gunn is just like, okay, I gotta get all my Marvel friends in here. Yeah. Which is just fine. Well, you can I, share them across superhero mm-hmm. movies. It's fine. Like a lot of directors, he forms relationships with people he works with and then works with them often. Because he knows what they're capable of and knows that they can be trusted. And they trust him. So mm-hmm. you just develop your cadre of performers. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that King Shark was really well rendered, like physically well rendered on screen. Yeah, I thought so too. For a CG character, yeah. His texturing was really good. And he moted well. So oh, yes. It, it felt like a character in space. I was very impressed. And I think Weasel was made bad by design. That was not supposed to be a good looking caricature. No, and it was motion captured, of course, by Sean. Of course, by Sean Gunn, his yeah, brother. So. Yeah. Yeah, who also did the motion capture for Rocket Raccoon, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. 
He absolutely. So it's did. kind of an inside joke that he's going to get his brother to play all these vermin yeah. in all his movies. Raccoons aren't vermin. I, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about Capaldi. Okay, so Capaldi, Peter Capaldi is in this movie as the thinker. <laughs> I did not expect that. And basically the thinker is is bad. He's very bad I'm in this movie. Well, yeah, he found a way to control this creature they found in space that could control minds. And he's the only one that can control it. And supposedly, yeah, this this Starro the Conqueror or whatever it's called. That's what he named it. And he named it jokingly because he's the mastermind behind it. Yeah, but in the, in the comic, it's actually yep. called Starro the Conqueror, and that wasn't a joke. Yep, it's just giant kaiju starfish thing. Yeah, it wasn't giant when they brought it aboard. No, it's still pretty big, but it wasn't giant. It was close it was, to man sized. Yeah, it was it was human sized, but they tortured it. I actually watched it again on HBO Max uh-huh. the other night while I was doing some other things. And with the subtitles on, there is stuff that I didn't realize had been in there. Like when Starro was saying, "Are you? have you come to save me from this guy? He's, he's tortured me. And it, it says, had his way with me. Oh, wow. I did not see that. I didn't either. And, so I, and, and that's why he gives him, that's why they look at him and he's just like, hmm. <laughs> Yep. I did just like, oh, God. I did hear the bit when Starro said that I was happy just in space looking at the stars. Mm-hmm. So that made me feel sad. Yeah, Starro. Well, see, that's what happens when you torture something. Mm-hmm. You turn it into a monster. Yeah. I can't really blame Starro for what it did after what it's been through for however many decades it's been there. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, quite an interesting big bad. Am I the only person who thought it was weird that the place they were going was called Jotunheim? They explained it. It was an old Nazi project. Yeah, I realized that. And the Nazis are way into white supremacy, which would go back to a lot of Norse stuff, which has its roots in Germanic mythology. Yeah, that's also the land of the frost giants (laughs) in Marvel. Yeah. It just makes me laugh. Music was good. Music was good, but James Gunn is that way mm-hmm. about music. And I liked his his little things that he did, like then and oh. no, three days ago and now. What? Yeah. Um, I didn't like that as much, but I could see why you would, that he used the, the scenery to do the title cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like where they are in time or in, or where they are in place. And there's one particular one where something was on fire and then the fire was put out and then that was like the, the smoke did the, did the lettering. Yeah, well, there was one that it was Operation... I can't remember what it was. And then it they're like, no, we have to go get Harley. And then it became Operation Harley mm-hmm. instead. And the one that I think was the most impressive was the one where it says Jotunheim. But then you, the camera moves mm-hmm. and you see it's just bits and things on top of a building. Yep. That was impressive. It's creative. Yeah. I liked it. It was more, way more interesting than just some word just at the some, bottom of the screen. Yeah, just something you'd see in like Mission Impossible or James Bond, where they just put a title card on screen. It was like mm-hmm. more visually interesting, and it, and it had that comic book vibe on something that you know the comic book artist would put in there. Yeah, yeah. It it paid homage to that. Yeah. So yeah, 
And uh, so, yeah, James Gunn wrote the script as well. Mm-hmm. So all I can say is, dude, if you're going to do more Suicide Squad movies, I'm in. It's not a team I ever thought I would care about, but you made me care now. Yeah. So. I saw somebody post a thing about how as expensive as a movie it is that it didn't make back the money that they thought it would. And it's like, well, it's still a pandemic. Mm-hmm. What are people thinking? Why are they still going by box office? Those numbers don't mean anything these two years. Nope. I mean, we went to the theater, but we were still masked up for it. So, yeah, we're not going out shoulder to shoulder to a theater to watch a movie. You no. Know? The world has fundamentally changed. Yeah, you can't judge everything by old metrics. It's just not going to work that way. No, the world is different now. Yeah, Black Widow, this, just... Yeah, upcoming Shang-Chi. Yeah, and I guess they're finally getting around to the uh, Love Boat, Faunted, James Bond movie. No time to die. Yeah. I just always see the title and I automatically think Love Boat. That's because that's the font. Yeah. We know this. So, yeah, thumbs up on Suicide Squad. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It, it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it had some really visceral violence. Yeah. It, which did not bother me. James Gunn, going back to his roots working for Trauma. Yeah. Because, like, Slither and stuff is the gore is on point. Like, mm-hmm. guy gets ripped in half. Dude gets his face blown off. Yeah, there's there's a lot of gore. So prepare for that if you're, you're squeamish. There actually isn't as much as you think. Yeah, well, but, dude, you know, there's stabs to in the heart and all kinds of... Yeah, it, it's cartoonish, you know. It's not like some gore where it's very realistic. It's kind of cartoon-level violence, as you'd expect from this type of movie. It's uh, it's one of the few really good DC movies. Mm-hmm. And if they would just keep on this particular path with yeah. doing their movies, they'd be successful. Because I like this. I like Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. I've kind of liked the two Wonder Woman movies. I mean, there's both good and bad to them. I enjoyed Aquaman for what it was because it's just it fun. It is a big dumb fun. Yeah. It's just big dumb fun. So, yeah. Every once in a while, the DC world creates a film that I enjoy. And that's the key thing is to entertain, I suppose. Or at least be interesting. Well, thanks for having color. We yes. appreciate that. Oh, the Batman. It oh, doesn't yeah. look like so, there's a drop of color in that whole film. Well, there's not a drop of color in Gotham. That's true. I mean, really. Yeah. Even in the comics. And when your hero just basically wears black and gray, he's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you Robert Pattinson has the jaw for it. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. All right. Next on the list is season two of Ted Lasso has begun. Yes. Uh, this show. Oh, my God. It this really show. is like people got in a room together and just planned out how they could make a show that could just make you feel great. Mm-hmm. Just brighten your day, put a smile on your face, lift your spirits, warm your heart. Just something about this show just... It has opportunities to pull the rug out from under you and then doesn't. It never does. It never does. And you're just left with this warm, loving feeling. And yeah, it's got its darker moments too, but they're they're kind of real human moments. Yeah. And it never seems cynical. It never seems mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. It's just a delight. And we just recently saw the Christmas episode of it. And it's just... That's so good. Brought I you cried. to tears how, how happy it made you and love it. The first episode of season two, Led Tasso. <laughs> oh, my God. 
were with uh, was his no, name. No, that was the second episode. No, was it the second? I thought that was the first one was Latasso. Oh. No, because Jamie hadn't come back yet. All oh, right, that's right, right, right. It was the second episode. Okay. So, yeah, Jamie comes back because he went on this basically Love Island kind of show mm-hmm. and was the first to be voted off because nobody liked him. And then no football club wanted him. Because he was too much of a liability. Yep. And so he comes crawling back to Richmond and at first he's like, no, we can't take you back because, you know, it's like, what does that mean for the rest of the team? But, yeah, a little lesson in humility that he's still learning. Mm-hmm. But he is learning. He is learning. Because, yeah, they had that bit with their sponsor, mm-hmm. who is this Airlines, I Dubai think. Dubai Air. Was, yeah, that was tied to the oil company that was damaging this nation. The one the players Niger. Fly, no, yes, Niger, wasn't it? That, yep. That one of the players who was the major spokesperson for this Dubai Air. So, and and this, this company is right on their jerseys. Mm-hmm. And so they got some black duct tape and covered up the sponsor to protest. Yeah, he did that himself first. And yeah. he turns to the team and says, I don't expect any of you to do this. Yeah. You know, this is this is what I'm doing because I this isn't right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then the guy next to him is like, no, give it to me. And then Jamie says, give it to me. Yeah. And they stand in solidarity. And that's because of Led Tasso. Because he becomes the opposite of Ted Lasso and is just horrible and abusive oh, oh yeah and just is and and it gets the desired result that unites the team against him mm-hmm. instead of jamie which is the point and even the psychiatrist knows that and that was what the first episode is when they brought in the team psychologists or psychiatrist team psychologist psychologist i think yeah, yeah. therapist and, anyway yeah and kind of having that bit of conflict with ted because ted's a psychological coach that's how he coaches. He doesn't coach by knowing the rules and stuff. He's got assistant coaches for that. Yeah, but she was actually in last season. Yeah. She's been around for a while. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, she knew exactly what he was doing by mm-hmm. watching him. And my favorite part is when he comes off the field after, you know, he's canceled practice. And uh, Coach Beard basically snaps him out and he's like, how long was I out? It's <laughs> <laughs> like... Like, did I do anything stupid? Because he became like a whole other personality. Mm-hmm. He's just cruel and insulting and everything that Ted isn't. Yeah. And, uh, man, just, oh my God, I love this show. Mm-hmm. It's just the best thing ever. Yep. And it's one of those things that I will watch over and over again. And not as a, only is it like uplifting and heartwarming, it's damn funny. Yes. On several levels, like the reference humor is super funny. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? I liked once so much, I saw it twice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, you have to watch it with subtitles on because Ted is always getting so in these quick. things. Oh, he's quick. Yeah. And just little things like the Diamond Dogs and talk about relationships. And yep. Just when they get a gift and all wrap it as a team. Mm-hmm. It's just the fun stuff. So great. And I love that Roy is still a part of it, even though he's not with the team anymore. Because mm-hmm. now he's like a pundit on yep. a show about soccer. Yeah, Basically the, ESPN, but for soccer. Yeah, he's a sports commentator on and everybody, a panel. And everybody loves it. And how he dresses always in black, yeah. no matter what event he's going to. He's he, uh, And he's so good with kids. He's so good with his niece. Oh my God. Mm. And just with kids in general, because... He treats them like adults, mm-hmm. which that's 
that's how you do yeah. treat kids. Don't pander. It's like when he was don't coaching ca- girls soccer. Yeah, don't talk down yeah. to him. Just treat him like people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just, uh, him and Keely together. Love yeah. it. Just love the show. It's just everything it's good so and good. wonderful. Yeah, everything you heard about it's true. It's a great show. It'll make you feel wonderful. It is. It'll just delight you. It's worth the $5 a month to get Apple TV, if only have, for Ted Lasso. And you get that Eshmigadoon, so, you know. And other things. There's lots of other things we haven't even explored yeah. yet. Yeah, those are the two we're watching it for now. Yep. Anything else you want to talk about? Because we're already... No, okay. we've got a little bit of time. We've got... Oh, God, four left. Okay, Titans is back. Titans, I want more Raven. I need more Rachel. She wasn't in this episode. Apparently she's on an island somewhere trying to bring somebody back to life. Donna. Yeah, Donna. Wonder Girl. So that can't go well. Well, we'll see. Yeah. It's good to have it back. And we found out Doom Patrol is coming back Mm -hmm. in, like, late September. That looks like it's going to be an amazing series. Oh my god. It's already so good. I know it took a lot of heat early on. and People were like, what are they doing with this? Same with Titans. It's like people just assuming the worst of it. It's like, oh, gotta watch the series because just what Doom Patrol does. I guess they were Emmy nominated, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just fantastic storytelling and just... A different approach to the superhero franchise and, you know, superhero uh, genre. Yep, but and we yeah. got Danny the Street out of it. Like what Titan's doing with Batman. Mm-hmm. Is this is an older Batman that can't do it. And how he avoids grief. Yep. And how he repeats old patterns, such as what happens to all his Robins. Mm-hmm. It's like he just recruits these young kids, twists their minds to work with him, and destroys them. Gets them killed. Dick is like one of the few to really get out of it. And even he's not what he would call well-adjusted. Well, he's better than he was. Yeah. But as Nightwing, you know, he's doing his own thing. And he, of anybody, knows what Batman's capable of and when he's really struggling. Yep. We got to see Barbara Gordon, so that was cool. Yep. There are three episodes out. We've only seen one. Yep. But it's off to a roaring start. I'm really looking forward to mm-hmm. more. Superboy and Crypto and <laughs> Beast Boy. So and... He's fi- Superboy's finally getting less awkward. Yeah. So he's a lot more comfortable in his own skin, yeah. so to speak. I hope they don't go too much into like poor self-esteem for, for Beast Boy. You know, not having people want his autograph when Superboy's there. Yeah, well... But... I'm not worried about that too much. I think him researching what other animals he could turn into is interesting. So we'll see if they employ that. Because usually he turns into a tiger. Well, yeah, it's a good thing to turn into. It's the largest of the jungle cats. So, yeah. Yeah, Pretty fast. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, Good swimmers. Looking forward to that. Um, Okay, what if? What if? I like this a lot. So good. I like the animation style. Yes, I like What If Stories anyway. I never did collect the comics. I think I might have one issue, but have a take it back, I probably don't. But yeah, I I like the whole quantum mechanics thing of what would this universe be like if this person made this different choice. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first episode we see Agent Carter, if she had taken the super soldier serum and what resulted from that. And yeah, there's a little bit of familiar territory that we revisit, which is fine. 
you also get to see it animated, which kind of adds this extra flavor to it. So stuff regarding Red Skull and you know, other events that took place in Captain America, the first Avenger. You know, there's, there's things we know already, but it's still fun to see it in a new context. Yeah, it went kind of Hellboy at the end. With the yeah, with the... Cthulhu um, monster. Yeah, with this... Uh, what do you call it? What Red Skull called his champion. The yeah. champion of Hydra, which is this... A big octopus. Tentacle monster. It's, it look, it's probably a big octopus. We never really saw yeah. the body. Mm-hmm. It was just all tentacles that were octopus-like because it had little suction yeah. cups. And got to see a very early version of an Iron Man suit I called know. the Hydra Stomper with Steve piloting it. That's really super cool. Yeah. So I really, really dug the animation style. I did too. They got as many of the original actors to do the voices mm-hmm. as they could. And they followed the beats of the movie, but with these changes yep. that changed certain parts of the movie. I liked the shield with the Union Jack on it. That mm-hmm. was cool. I loved the the whole, of course, sexism thing. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, she's useless. You know, she's no super soldier. Well, she put yeah. G all wrong. It was interesting because it is like a parallel to Steve Rogers' story of being, you know, the, the puny little weakling who had the good heart, but didn't have the size to back it up you know he could intimidate and stuff and that you have a woman and we had bradley whitford playing this colonel or whatever he was yeah colonel that was trying to sideline her because he doesn't think women belong in the military especially not in you know an active unit at war yes i'm sure he thought they were too emotional yeah but you see him starting to claim credit for the things she does yeah. because and it's all it, politics. It was it was great, though, because, you know, when he starts doing that towards the end, she looks at him because he keeps telling her more than once, you're lucky to be in the room. Uh-huh. And she does that to him when yep. they're making their final plan mm-hmm. to assault this castle where Red Skull is opening a portal to another dimension. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what he says, and she just looks at him and says, you're lucky to be in the room. And I'm like, yeah, you tell him, girl. Yeah. You tell him. I can't wait for all the stories they're going to tell. Apparently they have enough for, like, over 30. There's some fascinating stories, like uh, I think Black Panther's going to be revisited. Mm-hmm. Iron Man's going to be revisited. Yeah, I'm really excited for this, and I'm looking forward to I think it's a great start. I think they're doing things that they couldn't do in live action. Mm-hmm. It would take too much time and too much money if they did. And there's no guarantee you could get the same actors. In this, doing it this way, these characters are ageless now. Right. You don't have to explain, you know, you don't have to de-age an actor's face. It's very, very smart to do this as animated. And it, with as good as this animation is, you're not losing out anything. And they're not restricted to a feature length Mm-mm. so they don't have to try to make something fit a movie length and they don't have to go for like a full television series either they can tell shorter compact stories in an animated style so that's really cool i'm going to say really quickly that i did watch the other four episodes of masters of the universe that uh, are out i'm still waiting for the second half of the season I haven't checked recently to see if it's up. This show goes places that I did not expect. Mm. And it's very interesting because between the first episode and the second episode, there is a a lot of time that has progressed. And now Teela is basically a mercenary. 
and she has a best friend. A best friend? A best friend with whom they uh, they are for hire. It centers around the fact that magic is dying. Oh. And because magic is dying, the universe is dying. Ooh. And if they don't find a way to salvage the situation and reinvigorate this last ember of magic that the sorceress has produced, they will all cease to exist. Eternia will die, and then as Eternia is the center of the universe, everything branches out from there, and the whole universe dies. It's a little never-ending story. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Evelyn does a disguise thing, and oh my god, she's voiced by Lena Headey, and it couldn't be better. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And tries to trick Tila into helping her, but she really is, at this point, there are no sides, really, anymore. So Right, because, yeah, it, uh, you'd have to join forces against a common problem, you'd hope. Yeah. Well, <laughs> We've e- seen how that happens right now. Well, Evelyn is a sorceress, yep. okay? So if magic goes, she got nothing. Mm-hmm. So the sorceress actually gives her the last ember wow. to, to keep it safe and to use what she can to try and figure this shit out. Basically what has to happen is the two sides of the sword need to be retrieved and rejoined mm. so that they can bring the magic back to Eternia. Wow. So that's the quest they're on. On a side note, Triclops has kind of taken over Snake Mountain mm. and has pledged himself to technology Oh, because if magic's going away, what's yeah. the next best thing? It's like technology is now his god or whatever. And there is weird shit happening there. Some really weird shit yeah. happening there that I can't even explain. You have to just see well, it. Well, if you take away magic and replace it with technology, there can be like weird cyborg type stuff going on. So. Yeah. To crazy. say the least. Yeah. To say the least. It's not what I expected at all. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Man-at-Arms has been persona non grata for some time now and is basically has, is quietly living. He has built a robot that oh. has all of his memories mm. and like part of the family to him now. Tila's not fond of him, but right. he ends up being crucial to things. Um, Orko's not doing well because magic. Because magic. So as they go on this quest, they have to go to both um, heaven and hell. I can't remember the names. It's like Subternia and Preternia, something like that. <sighs> so they go to hell first. Tila has to face off against Scareglow, who is voiced by the incomparable Tony Todd. Nice. And she has to face her fears. And the thing is, like, yeah, I, I know I'm afraid. I know what my fears are. That doesn't mean they control me. Right. And so she, she wins the sword because she he tells her, if you defeat me, you can have the sword. She does. And he's so pissed off. They make it out, and they're about to go into, you know, heaven, and uh, Scareglow's coming after him. And Orko gives his life to keep that keep them from, from being captured again. Wow, there's a lot of death in this series. Mm-hmm. And when they get to heaven, uh, they find Adam. Oh. Yeah. Because apparently this, this afterlife is for all of the champions mm. of the swords, all the people who defended Eternia. And died for it. Now they need to find the seven Dragon Balls. Yeah. Different series. Hold my beer. (laughs) So they get... They get... They managed to get... Sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen Masters of the Universe. But Dave's not going to watch it, so I'm just telling him now. 
he thinks he knows who has the other part of the sword, but the thing is, is that the way they came into the afterlife, it's a one-way door. Right. They can't leave again. He thinks that the original wielder of the sword is going to be able to help them out. And they do end up getting the sword, and they can't reforge it because they don't have enough of this particular element that causes the fire to burn as hot as it does. Mm. And so the robot that they took with them that has all of Man-at-Arm's memories, he knows how to do it. And so he uses himself to generate this chemical reaction that creates the fire and rewields the sword and ends up dying. Yeah. And as he's dying, he's like, oh, I feel fear. I'm afraid of dying. It turns out I am greater than the sum of my first. I'm just like, oh, my God, you guys, why are you doing this to me? And, and meanwhile, you know, they're working with Evelyn and Evelyn's starting to like them. Yes. And they're starting to like her. They're actually all pretty good to her considering what she's done in the past. Uh-huh. And so they finally get back out. They manage to get help getting out of there. They get back to Earth. Adam goes with them, and they tell him, Hey, dude, if you leave here, there's no guarantee you're ever coming back. Ooh. You'll just be dead. If you die again, you'll probably just be dead. Wow. That doesn't mean you can come back here. He's like, No, I'm going. And so he goes. He wields the sword and... He gets the the magic back into that little pyramid thing that they'd taken it out of. Then when that happens, uh, well, as it's about to happen, then suddenly something comes out of Evelyn's staff. And I'm like, I fucking knew it. Yeah, Skeletor was hiding mm-hmm. in there. Stabs Adam. Ugh. He's not dead. Yeah. Yet. And then basically, now he has the power of the sword. Right. And that is where the season the half season ends and i'm just like you sons of bitches yeah when is part two coming out <laughs> god damn it i think partly why i'm not that involved with it is i was never the biggest he-man fan in the first place yeah but there's not that much he-man in it that's true in i fact, mean there's... well just you know just the general thing even though i did like the she-ra's new she-ra series mm-hmm. i like that a lot this just not drawing me it was it's very good yeah the whole technology thing was really freaky. <laughs> it was really freaky. Imagine. The shit Triclops was doing. I'm pretty sure it was voiced by um, Henry Rollins, too. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Spoken word performer these days, so. It took me a while to realize that Tila's voice was Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, oh, wow. Buffy? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, it's far more compelling than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. So, can't wait to see what happens now. Cool. Please give me part two of the season. Thank you. Oh, it seems to be doing well enough to get get a second season. Well, no, I'm talking about part two. The season oh. isn't finished. Oh, okay. It's a mid-season cliffhanger. Ah, I thought with being, yeah, okay. No. All right. The season, I think, is supposed to be ten episodes. So, last thing, Wellington Paranormal. Wellington Paranormal, same creators behind What We Do in the Shadows. Actually, spin-off series from Spin-off what we do in series the series from the, the, the film. So... Truly a spinoff series because it takes the police from what we do in the shadows and then has them doing just their police work in Wellington, dealing with aliens and zombies and ghosts and what have you. Vampires, of course. Yeah, we kept trying to guess what the next thing will be. And it was we were right like three times in a row. Yeah, it's like they haven't done ghosts yet. They haven't they done zombies yet. They kind of have the plastic yet. bag. Yeah. The pla- well, they have done ghosts. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, they have. I mean, that's oh, what I'm yeah, saying. Oh, that's what you're saying. You're saying, oh, well, they haven't done yeah, this Yeah, I yet. haven't... I don't know what they're going to next do because we're kind of running out. Oh, we're not running of out. Of things. There's lots of weird things out I guess there. there's a Bigfooty thing they could do or a Loch Nessy thing they could do. Who knows? But yeah, they've done the, like a lot of the main things. So after that, it's like, I don't know. I'll have to go more obscure with their with their folklore, their monsters. I did like the the one week that I'm like, oh, I really wish they do the werewolves. The sw- not the swearwolves. <laughs> werewolves yep. next time. And then the next one was about werewolves. Oh, it's just so entertaining. It's fun. It's done like the actual cops television series where they have a camera crew with these police officers as they go about doing their investigations or just their standard police work. But their police chief draws them into this paranormal, you know, activities division, very X-Files. I mean, even their title music is very very reminiscent of X-Files. But of course, it's done in this New Zealand town. And the comedy is very much in the same vein as your what we do in the shadows. It's really fun. Yeah. Really enjoy it. All right, that's it. We're done. Yeah, that's it. So I still have a music special to release at some point. I might do that next. I don't know. We also have our anniversary show coming up because this is the end of this year of podcasting. This is episode 150. So next time we'll be 151 and we'll talk about something anniversary like, I guess, take care till then. Yeah, we forgot to do shout outs. That's that's well, fine. Well, shout out to Maisie. Shout out to Maisie. Um, hey. Oh, shit. <laughs> what? Shout out to Marcy Londonart on Twitter, who made me lower decked. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got lower decked. There's a lot of people doing that kind of thing of getting themselves drawn in a lower deck fashion. Yeah. Lower decks fashion. I uh, got a commission, and she fucking nailed it. Yeah, she it's did. It's amazing. Yeah, you got the... Kind of the silver hair and the smile, and kind of like nice little hip jutting out, and your posture is very cool. Yeah, she got my smirk down yep. pat. Mm-hmm. So thank you at Marcy London Art. That's M A R C I E London Art. If you want to look at her stuff on Twitter, I I adore her, and uh, I'm so grateful that I managed to actually get a spot to get this commission done. So that's it, really. All right. This has been the Dark Corner Podcast with Dave and Brandy Chicola. Follow me on Twitter at Dark Corner Cast. Brandy is Brandy112. Brandy with an I. 12 is a number. We also have a Facebook page and Facebook group. Both are the Dark Corner Podcast. If you have feedback, email us at thedarkcornerpod at gmail.com. The intro track is Our Promise 2020 version by Studio X versus Simon Carter. The outro is Goodbye by Nina Me. The dark track has been offered for free as a promotional item or was submitted by the artist or artist's representative. All other music is illustrative and no violation of copyright is intended. You can hear more from Brandy and me on What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast on Anchor. Brandy also appears on Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast, also on Anchor. Join the chat most weekends around 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time as Brandy records the Unready Room live with Dan Gunther on the Kurt Ratz YouTube channel. Kurt Ratz is Star Trek spelled backwards. A special thank you to Tom Elliott for providing hosting for our website. Please subscribe, rate, and review if possible, and thank you for listening. It is our joy to keep you in the dark.
Let's have a fever. The Dark Corner.